what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone. This is Brothers in Tech. My name is Alan Jackson. Off to my right, if you're watching on video, is the illustrious Brian Jackson, my brother. The illustrious. Wow. I'm trying some new words this week. The illustrious came up. So I had to weave it into the podcast. Somehow. Is this like a New Year's resolution or something? Or? It's kind of a challenge I'm, I'm putting on myself to use a new word every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not had a chance to use illustrious all day today. And uh, you yeah. popped up on the screen. I'm like, well, there you go. That's yeah, it. That makes sense. That Done. makes sense. The day and is that's, checked off. That's in, yep. it's incredibly stupendous of you. Very nice. Yeah. Stupendous. Okay, good. That's yeah, good. Sorry, let me write that down. I'm going to use that yeah, tomorrow. I got that one. So, yeah. Yeah, this is Brian Jackson, Alan yeah. Jackson. We are brothers, and uh, we are brothers in tech for the purpose of this show. Uh, we get together every week, and we talk technology, mainly home, family, personal technology, kind of like getting technology to work for you in your personal life, uh, whether it be for your family, whether it be things around the home. We talk a lot of home automation. We talk software and apps and everything else that you know people use on a regular basis and how to maybe use them better or, or, or learn more about them. And, uh, Brian, I got a lot of stuff we wanted to do tonight. That's yeah. okay. Game, yeah. I'm though. a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. Cause you know, I don't know. There, Cause I was actually, there the are one things, there are things I'd like to do later tonight, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, I figure if what, I mean, three, four hours, that should be fine. You're, you're good for that. That's, that's probably what, I, what I'm assuming. See, what what happen happens, here. Brian, when we say we're going to do a typical show, we say, oh, we'll be done in 45 minutes. And it's like an hour and a half later, we're still going. If I go ahead and say, no, nah, I think this is going to be like a two hour show, then it's probably going to be four. You okay with that? Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd go the opposite way to say, yeah. if they say it's going to be four, maybe we'll get done in about 45 minutes. Oh, there you go. No, actually, I like yeah. that logic. So let's go ahead and say yeah. it's going to be a three-hour show, and hopefully you'll be done within one. <laughs> I am actually going to target an hour because um, I do have a ball game to watch at nine, and I'm sorry, okay. but that's maybe just a hair more important than, I'd than like doing to, this recording. Yeah, I'd like you, to so. see how you work, operate when you're motivated here. So this is good. I'm motiva- yeah. I'm motivated to actually get done on time. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Well, so here's what we're going to do tonight. Um, got a couple of news items I want to kind of throw at you, Brian. A couple of tech, home tech related uh, news items I thought were kind of interesting. I would like to get your okay. take on. That's okay. And then uh, you and I are going to have a little discussion. We're going to talk about and help talk with our audience about uh, software, the ways you buy software now. Hmm. Whether the traditional model was you buy your software, you buy a program, you own that program. You make a big one-time purchase to buy that software. Now the world is shifting to subscription software. And we're going to kind of compare the two ways of buying software, kind of tell you where things work, where maybe where you need to be careful as well. Yeah. And looking at uh, when, before you jump into any kind of subscription-based software. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) And then you and I, we just had Christmas, just had holiday recently. Yeah. Happy New Year. Year. Happy New Year, man. Same to you. Same to you. And uh, you and I at least have an item or two each that we got and acquired during the, uh, the holiday season that we're going to want to show off kind of in this spirit of home technology. So uh, 
we got a few items to share with that. So we'll do that at the end of the show, kind of share our newest tech from the holiday season. And uh, very excited, Brian. Uh, I have I have a piece of tech to show at the end of the show that it's probably the the my favorite piece of tech I've ever bought. Oh God, here we go. Yep, you were you were going favorite to piece. you were destined for failure. You know that, right? By getting so excited about this, it's a new backup drive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so excited. <laughs> it is. It's a glorious. No, it's it's something new. It's a home technology okay. device. We're going to show that towards the end of the program. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Let's uh let's jump into a couple news items I want to share first. Just some you know, as we're as we're kind of staying in the spirit of talking about home technology and you and I talked about um the news of a new technology that's being rolled out to help with home automation. Okay. Yeah. We've talked before how frustrating it is still to go and buy devices for your home automation because there are three different platforms that you could buy them for. If you're trying to tie them into a ecosystem in your home, you've got the Google, uh, what do they call their platform now? Is it just Google home? I think it's just Google home. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got the, the Amazon Alexa yep. um, side of things where something could work with that, or you've got the Apple home kit. And that's all the camps. Kind of been before that you've had to pick one of those camps and say, okay, that's what I'm going to kind of invest in. If you go the Amazon and you go the Google route, you got a little more flexibility because most everything I see that works with Google also works with Amazon and vice versa. But if you decide to go the HomeKit route, you're pretty much having to decide that pretty right off the bat because if it doesn't work with HomeKit, now everything you can get will work pretty much with Google or Amazon. It seems like, yeah. Yeah, collection of those things will also work with HomeKit for Apple. So you kind of have to make some decisions. But we talked about a new technology that they're rolling out called Matter. And this idea is that all these different manufacturers have kind of come together and said, we're going to adopt a standard that we can start rolling out into devices and manufacturers can start using that will allow these, these home automation devices to start communicating to each other better. What that means is it technically eliminates those silos of HomeKit or Alexa or Google. You still would use, you know, the Home app on your Apple device to control your devices, but you don't have to worry about going to a store and saying, well, will this work with my HomeKit and looking for that little logo? The idea is that if, if it works with Matter, technically it should work with all the platforms. Right. Obviously, right? Yep, yep. So, which is, which is uh, yeah, which will be a, a welcomed change if it works the way it, it sounds like it should. Yeah, it's a little bummer, a little bummer for the things that you already have, um, kind of switching True. to a new uh, uh, platform. But uh, hopefully, just buying new things from here on will uh, will still be able to work with your old stuff as long as you're not switching uh, switching different platforms, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you can't. It, everything should work fine. It would just be a matter of if you bought for whatever reason, a device. Um, yeah. If you bought a device that was a home kit only device in the past, it's not going to automatically be upgraded to work with matter. Now, some right. manufacturers have said they can roll it out in a firmware update, but I don't think a lot of them have come out and committed to doing that. So I don't know. I wouldn't count on any backwards compatibility, but thing is, if you already have like a home kit device in your home, it's still going to work. Right. Even when you start adding in matter devices, it's just now everything works together a little better. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish, yes, I wish we could go back in time and I could go get some older devices that are still for sale at Best Buy or someplace right now yep. and they would automatically work, but they're not going to. Um, but uh, I was really nice. It was really nice to see an announcement I just saw today. Eve, the uh, one a manufacturer of a lot of home automation devices, you got smart plugs, you got uh, sensors and other things that they sell. I don't know if they've ever sold anything that was HomeKit compatible. They could have, but I've never owned anything that was. My gut feeling is I think this is fairly new for them, but they're rolling out a line of devices come March. So here in just a couple months that are going to be matter enabled. And the idea is that you do not need a hub for any of these. They will work with the native platform you already have. So if you are a HomeKit user, they'll work with your HomeKit. They'll work with whatever uh, device you've got set up in your home as your HomeKit hub, and they'll communicate with that. There's no additional hub needed for Eve. Same thing on the Alexa and Google front as well. Um, so I'm just already excited to see. I think that was a little quicker than I kind of expected them to start rolling out to know that here in a couple months, we're going to start seeing these devices showing up in places. And uh, that's exciting. And plus Eve makes a pretty good wide assortment of, of devices. So the fact that they're coming out with a whole new line of devices in March that will work with matter, which means I can buy them and they're going to work for me. Yeah. You could buy them for you. Everybody can buy them and, and they're going to be great. So no, that's, <clears throat> that's, that's exciting. I, I haven't actually never used anything from Eve, but mm-hmm. um but I have heard of them. And so, I mean, it, to me, it's, to me, it's great. Uh, the the downside of this is just, as we said a minute ago, this is not, this is not something where you can say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and change now to HomeKit. I've been a, you know, an Alexa person. I'm going to switch to HomeKit because now everything works together. If I do that, which is, which is kind of my goal, eventually I'd like to move to, to HomeKit. I think it's a better interface. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to have all new equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm either going to be looking for old equipment that has been HomeKit enabled or hopefully new matter equipment from here on. So, um, yeah, but, now, but regardless, I, do, I mean, that's, that just be, provides a greater, you know, option for me. You know, that was one of the yeah. things that held me, back, held me back from using HomeKit was because I just, there just weren't enough products really to, to make it worthwhile or at least inexpensive products to be able to use. So, um. So that's a positive, but well, well, two things on that one, I really could swear and I'd have to look it back up. So I apologize. I don't have it at my fingertips, but I could swear that I've saw that some manufacturers are going to be able to roll out matter upgrades to existing devices through a firmware update. Now yeah, that could be wrong. That's fantastic. I hope that's the case. Yep. But I, but I think we got to just be prepared that I don't think a lot of them are going to do it for devices that are so much older. Um, right. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's a simple update for any of their devices. So that's what <clears> I mean. Potentially, any, yeah, potentially anything that came out in the last year on the previous platform, they may have the the need or desire to to go and upgrade a, uh, via yeah. firmware and kind of put some time and energy into it. But um, yeah. we'll see. But I, but you're right. It's it's all good, right? This is there's nothing bad about this development. Of course, and I still say. I think I said this even a few months ago when we first started talking about this. I see this as a complete win for Apple users yep. that want to use HomeKit because there was never an issue with people saying there weren't enough home devices for my Google or Amazon platform. There's tons. Everything you see in the store works with Google or Amazon. But now 
HomeKit users can actually say, oh, I can actually walk into my department store, electronic store, get a device in the future and know it's going to work with my my setup. So Apple users really come out on the positive on this side. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if they're wanting to stay with HomeKit for sure. So, yeah, good. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So exciting. that's uh, one news item I want to share. I was excited about. Now, here's another one, Brian. I'm going to bring this up only because I am. We've talked a lot about health devices in the past, kind of devices for monitoring your health or tracking your fitness or health goals. And, you know, every year it seems like we get some deeper uh, capabilities for how we're monitoring our own health through devices we wear or come into contact with. So saw this product get um, announced. It is a home urine lab. It is called the U-Scan. <laughs> um, it is a device that will is going to sit right on the inside of your toilet bowl. Okay. And its goal is to take health metric data from your urine that's in your bowl. Hmm. Okay. So it is a uh, 90 millimeters in di- diameter. It sits within the bowl and it gives you an immediate snapshot of the body's balance by monitoring, detecting a large variety of biomarkers found in urine while also offering actionable advice for health improvements. So some of the things, as you can see, this is what's on the inside of it. And it's just got a nice plastic casing around it to, of course, keep it, keep it, uh, I guess, uh, to allow the liquid to come in as it's needed to. And it does its analysis on the inside. And everything feeds back into an app that can also connect to Apple Health or any other kind of a health platform as well. Yeah. Nutrition, hydration, it's going to be tracking that kind of thing for you. Ovulation schedules for women, uh, it can do that as well. Uh, let's see what else does it tell you it can do. I, I just thought this sounded really, really cool, really what, interesting. Did, does it list some of the some of the data? I mean, is it things like I was looking for know, that. detecting did. iron, detecting you know hydration? I, I wonder if you know what some of the results that mm. might come out. Um, it's a good question. You know, like you just had asparagus. Um, that you, you've been <laughs> drinking too much the last 24 hours. I don't know. Because <clears throat> I love the idea. I mean, I love any, you know, any sort of data you can get health-wise without being invasive. Um, and, uh, you know, it seems to be something that can happen fairly often. I'm looking right now to see if I can see, like, specifically what it's measuring. Well, it's a, it's a cartridge based. You're gonna have to put in a new cartridge oh, every looks like about three months. Okay, so it's three months worth of testing. So it has about a hundred biomarker results it can track hmm. within one cartridge. I just don't see a list of everything that it actually will track. Yeah, um, I'm sure that list is somewhere. But the main reason I bring bring it up, Brian, I, I think anytime we have something that can be tracking our health and monitoring things and giving us recommendations or advice based on where we're falling without us having to do anything, you know, without it having to be something that is a conscious effort we have to put into place. To me, that's where it's kind of exciting. So, uh, so I like this. I mean, you know, going to the restroom, something we all do and it's a a common thing, you know, you're, you're doing it anyway, 
if it's going to turn into something that can also be helpful data for us, I'm all for right. it. Um, right. I think it's great. Now I will say, um, how much would you think something like this, a system like this would, would cost just first blush, uh, just looking at it? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I, I would hope it'd be under a hundred dollars, but <laughs> no, no, it's about $500. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. And what are the cartridges? Would you uh, say? I don't know that. Yeah. But probably <clears throat> like a continual. Not too far that. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine uh, another 50 to hundred bucks on a cartridge. Maybe. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, it's the first, the first run at one of these things. Uh, I imagine there'll be some others that will jump into the game or at least uh, there'll be some, some additional uh, enhancements that can go into, but I, I mean, I, I love the idea. Now I, I am a little concerned that the, the placement of it. Yeah. I don't know for, mm-hmm. for a male, it seems problematic. Um, you know, if it wants to get an accurate reading, I don't know. I don't know what direction you tend to stand, uh, Alan, but that doesn't seem to be, that doesn't seem to be my target uh, as much. Um, hmm. So, you know, I don't know if this is a, a sitting target, um, you know, predominantly, uh, you know, certainly it seems like where it's placed, that's going to be based on the the flush itself, right? The, the water of the flush, right? But yeah, well, see, I'm, I guess I'm imagining that they probably have enough research to know where it needs to be. And I, if you're saying it doesn't so. like it'd be compatible with you, then that just means your habits are very yeah. Um, well, I, I, I'm probably going to need to think about my habits. I mean, I've never <laughs> really paid attention to others um, as much. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm doing it wrong, I guess. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it'll tell me. <laughs> the installation of this device causes us all to question, have we been doing it wrong all this time? Uh, huh. Man. Interesting. I mean, that's well, not where the Cheerios were when I was a kid, where you, you know, got, you know, tar- target practice. So I... <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, good. It's really a good um, thing that not too many people are listening right now. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I guess the good news is that when if either of us decide to take the plunge, the plunge, um, <laughs> nice. and get this later on, uh, we not only will learn things about our health, but we'll also learn have we been using the toilet correctly <laughs> for this entire time you we've been what? alive or not? So it's. Um, yeah, it's probably time we learn. It's probably time. So, yeah. all right. Well, no, that's cool. I love yeah. it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's they're unveiling it at CES here shortly. So, great. It's, it's still cutting edge new technology, but it will be coming out uh, at some point. And again, I think it just is still showing us that there's still a lot of momentum behind devices that can help us track our health. And as as unobtrusive as that technology can be, the better it's going to be for for all of us. So. And potentially that. more sanitary, right? I mean, if you wanted to test test that urine in any other way, you uh, yeah, you know, you know, you'd have to. There's no wireless connection on the uh, up to this. That's point. true. So, yeah, nice. That could be it. So that is the U Scan. It's by a company called Withings. Yeah, and um, that is coming out there now. They're going to be unveiling it at CES in early 2023, and uh, we'll hear about it later in the year. I'm sure. And see when it becomes available and see if either of us take the plunge to try it out. So nice. I really right. didn't intend to say plunge again. That just kind of happened. So. Yeah, it's just natural. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so anyway, a couple of interesting news items I wanted to share on the home technology side of things. So, yeah. um, well, so Brian, let's flush, talk. You're uh, flush full of it tonight, Alan. It's good. It's good. Yes. My, my bowl does seem to be running over with <laughs> lots of great information tonight. So, um, let's talk about mm. our main topic. We were going to talk about software subscriptions. So, yes, yeah. And, and I, I'll tell you the reason I suggested we talk about this for a little bit, Brian, is because I actually had somebody ask me the question just just this week, where they were presented with an option of saying, "Look, I, uh, I think actually it was for QuickBooks, you know, a mm. big accounting software." <clears throat> it's like, well, I got the option. Do I need to go subscription based, where you know I go online and pay a subscription or should I purchase the software? And we got into a big discussion about, well, here, here are really your pros and cons. And it did get me realizing that I'm sure as more and more options for buying programs and software are coming available, that may be a discussion. A question a lot of people are having as well. Um, so I thought we'd kind of talk about it a little bit here. Um, Brian, kind of what, when we talk about subscription software versus purchase software, I mean, what, what are we really talking about here? What's the difference between the two ideas? Well, I mean, the subscription model is something that's become you know, kind of the standard uh, as of the last, you know, let's say 10 years, five, 10 years. It's kind of progressed towards the subscription model and things. And and that's um, not something that was the case before that. Before that, you know, when people put together software and wanted to to monetize it and sell it, it was buy this software a one-time price. It was usually a larger price. Maybe you were paying $20, $30, $50, $100, whatever for uh, a piece of software, but you owned that software. Mm-hmm. That was your software. They couldn't take it away from you. They couldn't take any of the features away from you. Um, and then they're often, it, what they were banking on was you buying and then you liking it so much to when they put out a new version of it, Two, mm-hmm. two years down the road that you'd buy the new version or you'd buy an upgrade version. Yeah. And I think that what, what people started to realize, Alan, is that that's great for a big push to try to get that software out the door, but it took so much money for these software developers to create that software that then they weren't able to fund their next project or they weren't mm-hmm. having a steady income coming in to allow them to continue to do their work. So yeah. Um, so it seemed, it, it seemed like to me, most of the trade-off has been now we can let you, it's like, it's like we're letting you rent it, but renting it for, you know, you own it, but you own it with our, our constant updates. Like we're, we're basically yeah. going to give you the best of what we have as long as you're doing this rental model, right? So it is mm-hmm. changing from kind of a home ownership to renting and knowing that the rental is always going to be taken care of. Right, yeah. but the the uh, the rental uh, 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 the landlord it's always taking care of everything. You're always going to have things fixed, um, and that was the problem, right? If you bought a uh, software for you know a hundred dollars, and then five years down the road it did not work with your new computer that you just purchased, where well, you were stuck because you bought the old version. And well, and a lot of times too, time. with bought software that service and support was provided for a certain amount of time. Right. One year that was of it. service, one year. So whatever. if you pay a hundred yeah. bucks for a piece of software and they say, okay, with this purchase, you get one year of support, meaning you can call us or write us or email us with any questions and we'll help you fix it. But then after that year runs out, you're on your own. 
Yep. You're right. With a subscription model, technically you are, it is, a the, the software will be updated and could be repaired and fixed along the way. As long as you keep paying the subscription model um, right. price. Now, another thing, Brian, too, I think is important about the, uh, the purchase model is from a price standpoint, like you said, you know, the, the, the purchase software was typically more expensive. I also think that may, software developers were seeing that maybe some of their software had a little bit of a price barrier going on where somebody really wants to get Photoshop and really wants to use it, but it may be a $500 piece of software to buy. It's like, well, okay, we, we, if we sell it for $500, which is where we need to be selling it at, where we want to be selling it at, uh, we're not going to get the open penetration of the marketplace as much as we could if we changed it to a model where you pay a much, much, much smaller amount per month to gain access to the software. Um, so somebody who said, you know, instead of paying 500 bucks, I can now pay $35 a month and get access to all this software. Oh, that's a great deal. That's what I'm going to do. So there, it was just as much, you know, it wasn't, it was just as much the trying to flow out revenue and have more constant streams of revenue going on. But it was also just to open up potential new, new customers that saw that purchase software as a a big barrier to their entry for use of it. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Trying to get more of a casual user to come in and say, well, that's not that much money, you know, per month, not realizing that or not, I thought they're not realizing, but that the company is then hoping that that person is happy. And if they're happy or forget about the subscription, one or the other, that they've got a constant revenue stream, right? They've got people yeah. kind of paying constantly, which allows them to put time and effort into maintaining that software. So, um, again, I mean, I think, you know, I think the analogy of buying a home versus renting a home is a, is a pretty good one that, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to a new city and I don't really know yet whether or not that's a place I want to live, well, I, I'm probably not wanting to spend a ton of money going in and committing long term. Well, if I say Photoshop sounds great, <laughs> it sounds like something I'd love to do. But, you know, a, a few hundred dollars to get an entry point to know if I love it or not is pretty hard to do. But yeah. $30 to get into it and know that, yes, by the time I realize, yes, I love it, now I'm into this model to where I don't want to get rid of it. So I think that, you know, a lot of companies that were really maybe proud of their software but couldn't get that entry point and they were very confident in their software and knew that if they could get you in with a teaser <laughs> with a small mm-hmm. entry point that you'd stay and all of a sudden their, their budgeting becomes a lot easier, right? They're looking for users as opposed to selling everything all up front and then having to, you know, maintain that money over a period of time before they put their next product out. So, well, and if you do the math on it, I mean, I think that, I think somewhere I'd read that there's a, I mean, there's different points for different companies based on the type of software, but there is a magic inflection point where if they, get a monthly subscriber who subscribes for X amount of time, so many months, so many, whatever that time period may be, and pays that monthly subscription fee on that monthly basis. At a certain point, you've technically paid now more than you would have if you had bought the software in the first place. And then there's, of course, like you mentioned with purchase software, they they want you to pay for upgrades. If you bought the software, they may three years later come out with a whole nother version 
that they want you to buy outright or maybe buy at a discounted price. But they do all the math on that to see, okay, well, if we instead got somebody paying a subscription, they're going to pay us the same amount per month, a much smaller amount. But after the you know 20th month or something like that, technically we have now <laughs> – are we are now making more money from them than we would have if we were they were buying our software outright? So um, yep, yep. There's definitely a calculation going. They're banking on people using their software for a longer period of time, um, and probably with the idea that if somebody's going to rent it and only use the subscription software for a few months, they probably were not going to pay full price for it. Purchase one anyway. So right. that's new revenue that's new that user. they would, yep. that's a new user they would not have had in the first place. So, yeah. 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 And with something like software, it's not like they have, you know, a, a limit of what they're selling, right? I mean, they can sell yeah. as many of those licenses as people want to buy or sure. people want to, to subscribe to, as opposed to trying to decide if you turn your house into a rental or you sell it, right? You have that one thing. So you've got to make a really you know, good decision about this, but with that one, uh, uh, that one, um, uh, item that you're trying to, to get rid of. But if I have software that I could have 10,000 people buy it, I could have one person buy it and it's still the same software as to still the same effort it took to put it together. Yeah. So I think that's the real, the, the, the question that most developers are, are going through right now is, you know, should we be in this subscription model? Or should we be in a purchase model? Um, do we need money up front, you know, to try to make make our money back for what we've been putting into developing the software? Or are we looking for something that will maintain us over a period of time? So, um, yeah, so you're bringing up a kind of the, the new yeah. classic example here, right? Well, I just want to bring up a couple of examples. So on the screen, I've got a shot from Microsoft's uh, website just to show, I mean, these are, big companies that have rolled out subscriptions in the last couple of years. So, you know, Office 365 or the Microsoft Office suite, kind of the a mainstay of computing productivity. A lot of people have it. This is the one, Brian, that where things started to kind of change for me a few years ago. Because Microsoft Office was the product that I was so used to knowing that every few years, I'm going to have to purchase a whole nother version. Yeah. Because... You buy the software. It used to be, you know, came to some disc or floppies or whatever. And now it's downloadable. But I still knew that, okay, I've got the 2012 Microsoft Office. And I know that come 2014, they're going to roll out another version. And more than likely, there's going to be an upgrade cost to get that new version. And of course, the new versions are going to have new features, going to be better compatible with newer devices, newer systems. So you want to stay up to date. I, I never liked using a software version that was much older than the, the current one they've got released. So they they had their hooks in me with that purchase every two or three years or so, it seemed like. And, you know, we had licenses too for, you know, for a business. We had a lot of employees using it. So we had a big license we had to pay for that purchase software every year. Um, because when we buy it, we had to buy it from multiple people and computers. So moving to the subscription model with Microsoft was kind of the, where the, I kind of saw things really start to shift. Uh, kind yeah. of, it, it, it caused me to really re rethink about how we handle subscription software because, you know, for nine ninety nine a month for a group of, you know, one to six people, you can have a subscription to all of the Microsoft office products online for 10 bucks a month. Now you do the math on that over a year, you pay 120 bucks. 
I think if I remember correctly, like, you know, a full license of Microsoft office, I mean, used to go for like a hundred and some dollars. I mean, it was oh, yeah. pretty pricey. Yep. So right away, I'm a year, year and a half into this, I'm paying the same amount I would have if I'd bought the software. If I pay this $9.99 a month for two years, I'm probably technically paying more than I would have if I'd bought the software. But for a lot of people, $10 a month is a much easier pill to swallow than $150 one time. Um, yeah. So it's just a good example of it. It's kind of that, um, you know, can I recommend to people that they do a subscription model on something like Microsoft Office? I feel like I probably can only because uh, they do make it very easy and compatible to do a software service. Uh, you can install it on multiple devices. <clears throat> they let you put it on mobile devices as well. They throw in some extra features like cloud storage you have available to you to use. And they make it easy. And, you know, if uh, you needed Microsoft Office for a short-term project you're working on, you need it for like three or four months, it's a great deal. If you're planning on using it long-term, I don't know. Uh, it's a tough call, Brian. I, I, I go back yeah. and forth because, you know, when I started doing the math, I'm like, well, probably would have been better just to buy the software. I don't even right. think they give you that option anymore. Though, do I they? don't. Uh, well, so uh, there, there are, Microsoft does allow you to do full versions I know for uh, education, they still allow like students to do a full version. Yeah, um, yeah $50. So right now like. there's a home and student 2021 version. Great, it's 2021. So it's already a little on the older side. It's not yeah. the latest version that you get with the subscription. But it's $150. So mm -hmm. if you bought a subscription, monthly subscription for Microsoft at $10 a month, after 15 months, you're paying more than you would have to buy it. However, like I said, the online subscription version does stay more up to date because right. um, they have rolled out a 2022 updates to Microsoft Office and those got automatically rolled out to subscription models. But if you buy the software, you're buying the 2021 version and you'll have to worry about hopefully they pass out updates to you along the way once you bought the software. Yeah. So. And it's also that it's, you know, it's changing, right? Microsoft is changing the model of you know, software versus the 365 kind of, uh, you know, online storage, that sort of thing. So there's there's a, a greater number of features that you get if you're into the subscription model. And that's really smart that a company is doing that, that they, you know, if you've been around a while, like Photoshop, if Photoshop says, hey, listen, we're happy to sell you our old version and you can buy it outright and you can have it forever because we're done with it. <laughs> we're not mm -hmm. updating it anymore. It's already there, right? We already have the download. We can, you know, pay us one, one time fee and you can get that. Or, you know, you can come with us and pay us per month and you'll continue to get the new, new things. I think they're probably hoping that people maybe do a little bit of both, right? If someone says, Hey, my, that's a, that's a really good deal just to buy it outright. And then realize in two or three years that there's some features they really wish they had. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think it's a it's it's uh, it's a really good analogy to think about. You know, something like Microsoft. I feel pretty confident that if they were to still sell the newest version, that I would feel confident buying it, knowing that well, I'm still going to be using this in three or four years, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's a software I expect to to be using. If you're not sure you're going to be using it, well, then I think the subscription model makes a ton of sense. Uh, if you feel like you need the latest version of things, 
if it is a type of software that is constantly adapting, maybe there's new standards that are in place that, and, and you're in a, an industry that needs kind of those new standards to be uh, compatible, then I feel like that's that's also a model for subscription. Um, so I think that I think that there's a few decisions that you know have to be made. Are you confident in the software? Are you confident in the fact that you're going to need it and use it for you know a long period of time in the future? Yeah. Okay. Let's you know maybe Alan for a minute. Let's let's take Microsoft off of the table here, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a tricky one, and that oh. no, they're going to need that. But if but if we said, listen, I, I'm a new, I'm a new software developer. We, I came up with a brand new thing. Everybody seems to love it, but it's new. People mm-hmm. don't know enough about it yet. And if I go and say, hey, listen, come buy this for a hundred dollars, uh, my guess is there's not going to be a ton of so. usage, right? You're going to have yeah. to, you're going to have to have enough people for a long enough time that are going to use it, talk good about it. That subscription model makes a ton of sense, right? It's like you get them in the you get them in the system, and then they see that they love it. And maybe I'm a well well enough, well established company enough that I feel like I'm going to be able to put updates out, and people are going to see the value in being part of my subscription. <clears throat> and then you roll forward. Yeah. I've not been a big fan of subscription myself. I think we talked about this before. I know you, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, financially, I just <laughs> I'm always doing the numbers, and I and I hate seeing. You know things that are coming out every month, knowing how they're racking up. Uh, even though those numbers are small, you know, I, I, I mean, put it this they way: if you, if you told me right now I could buy, you know, five years of Netflix for, you know, a hundred hundred bucks, you mm-hmm. know, or hundred fifty bucks or something, I'm much more likely to do that so that I can say, all right, now I know what I have. Budgeting's done, right? It's like it's all it's all good. Um, but See, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, but if you're if you're concerned that hey, in six months maybe Netflix isn't the thing anymore, and Netflix yeah. isn't the you know the company, or they're not going to have cool stuff, then of course they've got you right. They've got you in this you know nugget. Um, I'm actually surprised though on their side that they're not making opportunities for people to go ahead and subscribe for a year. Because I think that they would be winning if that was the case, right? I mean, you've got people, if people would actually so. say, I'll go ahead and pay for a full year if it yeah. saved me 20 bucks. At a slightly discounted rate uh, to do Knowing it. that streaming services are so volatile right now, yeah. right? They're really volatile. People are, you know, dropping, adding, dropping, adding. Um, well, and I'm, I, I feel... I'm a, I feel differently than you do about subscriptions. I've gotten to the point now where, honestly, I was looking at my applications list that I have on my computer right now. Um, I don't own a single app. <laughs> so, really, you there's not an application. I, yep. There's, there's. Well, I take that back. I take it back. Um, Apple's video editing, Final Cut Pro, hmm. is a one-time purchase app. I do own that. Um. And is Everything that else. is that the only option, or did you? Just, yeah, that's the only option. Okay, they, they okay. they've so, never released a subscription, subscription model, model for their software yep. like that. Everything else I've got is subscription based, um, which I'm kind of surprised by now that I look at that and realize that. Um, I am always more concerned about is this product going to be what I'm going to be using in yep. nine months from now, twelve months from now. And I, I can't say that for sure. I mean, there's maybe only a couple of products I could say with confidence I feel like I will be using in a year's time. Um, and, you know, Microsoft Office is not even a definite for me because, no, I, I agree. you know, I kind of uh, 
have gone away from using it on a daily basis. I use some of the Mac-based productivity tools a little bit more and use Google Docs a little bit more, and I just don't rely on Office as much as I did. So I'm kind of glad I'm on a subscription because it could be in a few months I may say, you know what, I'm done. I'm good. I'm going to use these other products. So yeah. uh, uh, Adobe, the Creative Cloud, I did want to bring that up because that's kind of a, to me, a big one. This is one that this was, this was even though Microsoft was kind of momentous to me when it moved to subscription model, Adobe is the one where when this happened, it's like, okay, this is it. This is kind of yeah. where we are now as a, as an industry, because that was always the big expensive software, the five, six, $700 software for Photoshop or buying a uh, premier pro for video editing was like several hundred dollars for sure too. Yeah. Yeah. Now they've rolled out not only a, all-in-one subscription model, their creative cloud that has all of their apps included. You get everything, pick and choose the ones you want to install and you can have any of them installed on your computer at any time. But they also have subscription packages for individual apps as well. So if you just wanted Photoshop, it's $21 a month. Their stuff is definitely on the more pricey side of any subscription. But then again, their software was also the big dollar software when it was a purchased one. So um, this, you know, for example, I, there's alternatives to Photoshop and I've actually been kind of experimenting with a few and I could see within a year, I may say, you know what? I don't need Photoshop anymore. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those situations, I think a subscription model is okay, but I think you're right, Brian, if there is a piece of software that you're pretty locked in, you're like, look, I know I've done the math. And as long as I own this software for at least 15 months or whatever the calculation is, I come out better financially than I would yeah. paying a monthly fee. And as long as I feel like I'm still going to get the, service and support on it I need. And um, I definitely will be using it for that time. Then I think it's a good deal. It's a good, it's the right way to go Yeah, um, with yeah. that. But you got to make some judgment. Software's changing a lot. We're getting a lot of alternatives to some of these big, 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 big companies and their software products that we used to think were, we couldn't get rid of. And now it's like, they're all our turn. There are a lot of alternatives out there. So I have a, I have a little hesitation in buying, plunking down, you know, three figures, yeah, uh, no. dollar figures on a piece of software right now. So I'm with yeah. you, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you there. <clears throat> um, now I will tell you the subscription model that I am a big fan of, and I know Brian, you and I have talked about it before because you've. I don't know if you are now, I but I, I am, am not. <clears throat> I'm not, I but I, I am. I'm missing it. <laughs> yeah. So this is we've talked about this a few times as a subscription model. It's it's called Set App. Um, I'm a huge fan because. And, but I have to do the, the math on this to make sure it works for me. And if it didn't work for me, I wouldn't be doing it. It has to work financially. This gives you a subscription for one monthly fee. You get access to their entire library of applications and you can pick and choose which ones you want to install on your computer or not. So even though they may give you, you know, a hundred apps to choose from, you just install the ones that you want. You could install 100 of them or you could install one or anything in between. So at first when this came out, I had to really do some math and research on it because I think initially there was only maybe one or two apps. I thought, you know, that's probably one I'm going to use all the time. So it wasn't worth a $10 a month subscription because I thought, well, I've just got one or two apps I need. I could come out better if I did it those individually or bought those separately. But I'm to the point now where there's um, six or seven apps I use from set app pretty regularly. And that, to me, that crossed the threshold of saying, yeah, I'm now at a point where 
paying $10 a month makes sense for yeah. me financially. To do. <clears throat> so, um, it, it's just, I, I think they do a great job with managing the service and the, the app you use to install the apps and uninstalling is very easy. If you decide you don't want one anymore, the apps all stay up to date automatically for you. Um, so it's a good deal. So I'm, I'm a fan of this form of subscription model for software. But I do say, again, you got to do the math and make sure it yeah. works for you. makes sense for you. I've seen way too many people, Brian, and I used to be one of those that said, oh my gosh, look, there's all these apps. And I'm sure at some point I'm probably going to use one or two of these. So I'm just going to go ahead and start getting the subscription. Chances are, if you don't have a true need for an app that you're going to use right away from this, don't go ahead and plunk down the money and get it with the hopes that you'll right. maybe make yourself use one in the future because that's not the way it should work. I had to really see that there were three apps already in this subscription that I was already planning to either buy or already own some other way and said, Oh, well this makes more sense to do it this way. That's when it became a, a good deal for me. So, yeah. 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 Don't, don't go pay. Don't go pay for the buffet. If it's a lot of crappy food, it's a lot of crap, yeah. right? You know, if you look down and see, wait a minute, there's crab legs at the end. And, uh, I really wanted crab legs and I was willing to pay this much for crab legs anyway, then yeah, it makes total sense, right? Because now you have you have some variety, plus you get a chance to expose yourself to other things. That's what I loved about this was I could go and try these other things. And so, and I'm this, you know, I'm the same way. When I looked at setup, I had to do the search and say, are there at least two applications here mm -hmm. that I literally would go and buy on my own? Like I think they're useful enough that I need them and would want to to buy them. Yeah. Right. And if so, it made it made sense because I know I also know myself. Um, I don't like to subscribe to things, but I also know that I like to try lots of things. I love to try new applications, see if something hits, see if something really kind of changes my efficiency. Uh, and this allowed me to do that, which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it got to the point where financially I was just like, oh, OK, you know, I need to trim down some things. And, yeah. you know, I made that decision. Um, but I need to look back again. You know, I need yeah. to look back and say, well, what's, what's there, what's there yeah. and are there things mm -hmm. that I'm missing or things that I'm, you know, paying something to do a similar, you know, similar feature yeah. uh, elsewhere so that I can trim. So, so Brian, if we had to kind of sum up, I'll pull this screen down. If we had to sum up in a way, kind of what the overall, let's just kind of lay them out. Pros and cons. Let's yeah. just say the pros and cons of subscription based software as it relates to compared to traditional purchase okay. software. Okay. So I'll start off with a couple of pros. If you want to throw a couple in as well. Okay. Um, I think for most people, it is a lower cost of entry to use software. You really want. Again, I think you ask anybody, do you want to pay $600 now to get this piece of software? Or do you want to pay $30 a month? And if you're not a hundred percent locked in on for sure that, you know, you're going to need that software for long-term, I mean, it does make sense to do the monthly and just kind of be able to have that lower cost of entry to get started. So yeah. that's one pro there. Yeah. yeah. I think another pro is that if you are, um, I, I think if you're honest with yourself and you look back at your, um, you know, your application usage over the last couple of years, you know, if you really look back and say, how many times have I started using an app and stopped using it? And even though I thought initially this is great yeah. and I'll use it forever, 
if you are that kind of person, think back about all of those and imagine if you had to buy them at all at high dollar mm -hmm. and then you stop using them. It's, it's, yeah. you know, the, Alan, you know, I, I was in the, the fitness industry for a while and, and of course fitness industry, they, they made their living, you know, health clubs make their living off of your initiation fee, not mm -hmm. your monthly fee, mm -hmm. because they know after three, three months after the first of the year, half of their people are not coming back anymore. Right. So they need to charge you more right, right up front because they're worried you're not going to stick around long enough. Right. They're yeah. not going to stick with it. So if you if you had to buy all of these new apps that you wanted to try, that's a ton of money and you're not getting your return on investment. Yeah, um, so if you if you do like to try new things, which I do, I like to try new applications. I like to try to search for new ways that I can have efficiency. I'd much rather try them at a low cost point and, yeah. you know, feel feel okay about moving away from it if it doesn't work. Now, that being said, I'll just give a quick con. Okay. Um, is that as I said before, you can get sucked into those and next thing you know, you're in lots of these because you it's the you know, it's the it's it's the model of, you know, all of those small price points are really small and it is, you know, it's not that doesn't hurt much, right? $3 here that that's not a lot. $2 here that's not a lot. When you look at it all together and, you know, m most of these are going through different services. So it's not like you can go in one place and see all the services at one place yeah. at one opportunity. So in that situation, it is, you know, it's the creep model. It can creep and get and build up really, really quickly. So I, I would I would just maybe <laughs> my advice on that would be do take advantage of the usually there's 30 day, you know, trials. Mm -hmm take advantage of those trials. Don't, don't just sign up for the trial and say, Oh, that sounds great. No purposely say, I'm going to sign up when I have time to truly use this thing. Like I'm going to take that seven days or that, you know, uh, 20, uh, 24 days or whatever they're giving you. And I'm really going to put it through its paces and find out at the end, do I want to stick with this? Because Good call. You know, yeah. to me, you know, subscription is actually a greater financial commitment uh, in the long run. It's just, you're not in the long run. So, yeah. Um, well, now another pro on subscription, and this is not for everybody, but it may apply to some of you. You know, imagine if you've got a um, a short term need. You already know this is a short term need mm. I have for this this application. It's like, yeah, I need Photoshop, but I only need it for this one project I'm working on. I want to work on it and design this one piece. But when I'm done with it, I don't need it again those are perfect situations for a subscription because then you're saying, yep. yeah, okay, pay the monthly fee for the two, three months you need it and cancel it right when you're done. The great thing about these subscription models is that if you're paying monthly, there's no commitment. You can stop at any time. Now they'll give you the option of paying your subscription on a yearly basis for a discounted rate, but you are paying for a full year. But I mean, I'm saying if you know your needs are short term for whatever reason, whether you're trying it out short term or you truly have a short term project need or something you're trying to accomplish in a shorter period of time. Subscription software is wonderful for that. Yep. So much better than yep. investing in full price. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But I think a con is that, you know, we need to make sure people remember, and you mentioned it right off the bat, Brian, it's like the apartment versus the house. You don't own this software. Right. If you subscribe <clears throat> to it, if you stop paying the monthly fee, the very second it shuts off, you you do not have access to that application anymore. Right, right. And even if you've created all these files with that application, you've created all these beautiful photography projects and other things with it, you can't open them after that. 
um, without paying for the app. So you do not own it. You are not able to sell that software to somebody else, you know, which I think they kind of frown on that anyway, even with Vault software. But in theory, you couldn't even say, oh, here's my serial number. I'm going to sell this to somebody else. No, you you don't own it. So you yeah. are truly renting it on a month-to-month basis from the main, from the manufacturer. So yeah, yeah, just important to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did we did skip one pro, I think, which uh, and you mentioned it earlier. But I mean, if you're someone or if you're if you're using software that is constantly being updated, mm. you know, and and you're in an industry potentially or a, a use case to where you know the the newest uh, standards are coming about, and you you have to stay up to date on those things. Subscription model is the way to go. That's why I think a lot of companies have decided, you know, of course, you know, all of our software people, yes, let's give them subscriptions because they need the most up-to-date standard, right? We don't want to mm-hmm. be, you know, using five-year-old software. Um, yeah. We've got to stay up-to-date. And um, so I think that, you know, if your use case is potentially going to be evolving, then it's better to be in a subscription where the the software is going to be evolving. Um, yeah you know, rather than buying it. And then you start running into the the battle of two years from now, do I, you know, pony up a lot more money again, right? So um, I'll give one caution. And I don't think this is the case in most situations anymore, but it was early on. Uh, be careful when comparing your subscription version to the bulk mm-hmm. version of software, because in the past there have been situations where some vendors their subscription versions are maybe don't include some features, don't include some capabilities that the fully bought licensed software does. Now, I don't think that's the case for most big vendors anymore. I mean, Adobe, Microsoft, all of them. I mean, you're getting the I mean, full some version of, I think of the apps. Some of them might even be the opposite now. Yeah, I think the right? subscription I mean, model Microsoft 365, yeah, 365 right. versus the standard. I mean, I think you're but getting more. I know more. it used to be, it used to be even yeah. with like iOS apps and mobile apps, it used to be like sometimes the bought version had more features than the one you pay 99 cents a month right. for or something like that. Right. I don't think that's the case anymore, but still something to check out and just make sure you're not getting shortchanged on the features because yeah. you're going to a subscription model for that software. Yeah. But, it, but that's a really good point because I think, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it seems like that's that's the the transition that software has made over the years. It used to be you buy it, right? And that was it. <laughs> and then it became or so you buy it and you update it, right? So it was always big uh, uh, big prices. Yeah, one big one-time purchase. Exactly, and you, you had, had nothing for budget that out for five years down the road to do it again. Mm-hmm. Then it went to okay, we're going to let you dabble in this for a subscription, but our hope is that you love it enough and you want the big features and you'll buy the the big amount money, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. we realized thirty days wasn't enough for you to really figure it out. We'll let you try it, but we want you using it, get something out of you. And then hopefully you go ahead and realize, Hey, long-term I'm better to go ahead and pay you $300 now. And now I think it's completely swung the other way, which is we, we really would rather be able to count on you every month and just have you be a constant user uh, forever. And uh, I think from a business standpoint, I mean, I just had a conversation about that today. I mean, uh, clients that pay you uh, a set amount per month every month is a lot better than big projects that sure. you, you kind of have to win and then you got to wait and see when the next one comes down the road. Same thing with the software industry. If they know that, hey, look, 
we're getting 30 bucks a month from this many people. And even if so many people drop off every month and so many people add on, we still have a constant revenue flow. So much better than, yeah, we sold a bunch of software, but then maybe the next month we didn't sell as many. And when we don't know, we have to wait and release another version in a year just to try to bump back up our sales again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I could argue that for the consumer, if somebody likes having a fixed budget per month of knowing this is what I'm spending every month, there's not going to be any big purchases I have to do at some point in the future. Subscription kind of works for them as well, too. So yeah. I don't like having Microsoft send me a bill and or a reminder that says, oh, by the way, it's about time to buy your software. It's going to cost $150, and here you go. If you would rather have a flat monthly fee that you want to you budget for. so Yeah, yeah. This may all be, and we're going to wrap this up, Brian. This may all be a moot point, though. I mean, as I think just about every software manufacturer has moved to some form of subscription for right. the most part. There's still some outliers that don't. But um, I take it back. I did find one piece of software on my computer that I, outside of the Apple apps, that I uh, pay a one-time Purchase. fee for. And that's uh, Parallels, the uh, oh, virtual right. Uh, right. virtual machine I used to run Windows on my Mac. That is a kind of, one-time Kind of surprised purchase. they haven't gone to subscription, though. Me too. Because that one requires an awful lot of updating, right? You would think. They may offer a subscription. I don't know. I'm not saying that they don't offer one. It's just my software that I own right now on my computer is a bought license for it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, Alan, uh, before we we leave this, I just wanted to, uh, and and this is a slight tangent, but I think it's related enough that we should mention it. I agree with you that subscription is going to be where the large majority of software is going to be. Uh, going forward. But I also think that the decision then for most people is not necessarily do I buy or do I subscribe? It's going to be, do I go with the free version or not? And I just want to remind people, we've mentioned this in a previous previous episode, Alan, but really be careful with free software. Um, Mm -hmm. I love free software too, especially if it's something looks cool, uh, that it's like, wow, I get to, to use this and I don't have to pay for it. I get to try things out. But just keep in mind that rarely is software truly free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may be free for you not paying money, but um, the decision really ought to be that if they're if they're not charging me, one, it's probably not going to be updated in the future, yeah. which if I'm something that really gets excited about it, then I'm going to be stuck in the future. It's going to stop working. And the other is that they're probably making their money in other ways, like taking your information, selling your information, selling your data, um, giving you ads that can be really frustrating and all of that. So, um, so I do think that, yeah, it's gone to subscription is going to be it, but I think now that the, the battle is going to be subscription versus free Mm -hmm. and free, whether that's truly free. Uh, I'm, I'm in the, um, I'm in the camp that if it's a good software, I'd I'd much rather pay for an iOS app, for example, that's $3 than one that's free if I know I really like it. Like if I did a trial and I like it, I'd rather pay for it because one, I think that that is now getting that person some money to where they're going to continue to keep this app working, you know, because if I don't pay them, I know they're going to have to get it somewhere and I most likely they're going to be taking my data to do it or doing some, some uh, nefarious things. So, so I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but just keep in mind that when we're thinking of this free, <laughs> free isn't always free and free isn't always the best. So that's a public service announcement from Brian Jackson <laughs> on Brothers in Tech. Thank you. So yeah, yeah so software versus purchase of soft, uh, subscription versus purchase software. Uh, 
I'm in favor of, of subscriptions. I love them, but I do agree. You have to do your math. You got to do your homework. You got to make sure it's the right fit for you. And don't just knee jerk, go out and buy a subscription on the right. whim that you think you may use a piece of software at some point down the road. Um, don't, don't start subscribing until you know there's an absolute need to start using it or yep. right now need it. And then when you're done using it and you don't need it again, stop the stop the subscription don't don't yeah. keep it around unless you need that's it right. so yeah. that's right and take you know take advantage of that um of that trial do take advantage oh, yeah. of the trials trial, are good um, absolutely and uh, and put it through its paces so okay right. Brian, we got through the meat and the potatoes of the show let's get to the fun fun little bit cool let's do that we had our holidays you and i both got at least one piece of tech that we yeah. uh, got over the holiday time i think you got a, maybe a couple I've got I one did, I'm going to yeah. show, but I, I'm excited to talk about these these gifts we received. Okay, so do you, right. you have one? You well, I've share got first? I, yeah, I've got I've got two. Let me, I'm going to okay. share two, and they're from the same company. I bought them at the same time, and uh, and yes, I did buy them. So I'm I'm not a, um, a, a my wife and I are not Christmas gift people. We don't give each other gifts, um, yeah. and uh, partly we've realized over <laughs> over time that. I have a better decision on what I want than she does and vice versa. So, uh, yeah. but my, uh, my tech purchases for the Christmas where I kind of got a, um, an itch to, to try something new was through a company called Renfo. Alan, I think mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about this company before. R E N P H O. Um, I have a product by Renfro in the house. Okay. Yep. I have so, a scale. So, yeah. I, I do too. Okay. So yeah, that's the scale I had. This is the one you must have had prior to the, or after the wise, right? You yeah. got the Winfro mm-hmm. instead. And the, the scale has been great. I've had the mm-hmm. scale for years and actually it's, it's been really, uh, really good. It's um, a Bluetooth scale that will kind of track your weight. Um, so I decided to, to give them another shot uh, and, a, and a, a, a piece of tech that um, that has received a lot of attention lately. A lot of people are going going gaga over these things. Um, is a massage gun. So, Alan, I don't know if you have or have used a massage gun yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me let me share with you real quick. Here. I'm actually, yeah, I'm not even able to visualize what this thing is. So, okay, it's ready to show. Yep, ready to show. Okay, so this is wow. a massage wow. gun. Right. Okay. So massage guns are, I don't know, they've become really popular. It's basically um, using kind of vibration or continual pressure uh, as a massager. You know, like uh, you've, you've seen massage where you roll out the muscle, right? Kind of have um, kind of bars that you roll over your muscles after workouts and things like that. Um, massage guns are it's basically a repetitive pressure. So you turn it on and it's, it's almost like a jackhammer <laughs> that this thing goes at a, at a pretty high rate. And then you kind of work out your, <laughs> you work out your muscle. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so these things have gotten a lot of uh, attention mainly because what it does, you know, physiologically is, well, it's, it's going to apply pressure just like stretching wood and rolling out a muscle wood. Um, but because it does it with this kind of, additional vibration. Um, I think it gets more blood flow to the, um, the part of the body and all of that. So, you know, I'd heard about them, obviously I, we had done some research on them and, uh, and seen that they do have some decent results, but there's been more recently, Alan, the, um, there's a, a couple of studies that were done that showed that using this before bed, got you, got you to sleep earlier, 
got you longer REM sleep, right? It was basically kind of uh, increasing blood flow that allowed you to uh, get in a relaxed state a little bit quicker. So I was like, you know what? They were running a special, as you can see, this is the actual one that I bought uh, and yeah. I bought it for less expensive than that, um, wow. actually, uh, which, you know, $250 is, there's no way in the world I would have spent $250 on something like this. Uh, even, even 80, I think is maybe a bit much. You can get these, uh, you can get fairly good versions of these for $20, $30. Mm, uh, lots okay. of places are selling them. Um, but I did want one that I knew, you know, the, the, the stats that you look for, if you're interested in one of these is sound, right? You want one that's not incredibly loud. Um, and the, the rate, the number of levels that you can use is kind of the increase, the, the, the frequency of the, the vibration, um, and then charge, not charge, you know, real batteries, all of that stuff. So, uh, this one's rechargeable. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll actually pull it up here. So are those different see, yeah, attachments like the of it. along yes. the bottom? Are those different attachments you put on they the are. front? They okay. are. You can see this This comes off the, the front, mm. right? Mm. And now I'll go into it personally. I don't see how in the world any anyone can use any of those other attachments because they're all mm. like those are hard plastic attachments. This yeah. is more like a um, a foam a foam ball mm. on the end. Okay. Um so I'm going to You mind uh, it firing just, it up for us? I'm turning it on here. Right. So you can see here on the back it's got the the well, let's see charge oh. level, right? It also has the um the uh, the level at which you're using it. So it's a touch screen. Oh, let's see. Am I touching? Oh, it turned off. I didn't touch it quick enough. So if I <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess I didn't put the attachment they back just, on hard enough. Did it just fall apart when you there started it? Yes. Okay. So you can hear now, right? Okay. And then you can see the vibration that's happening on the end. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And I can click it up to... Oh, wow. Actually, I've actually never gone beyond two. Um, six. Yeah. Ooh. So, and what you do is you, you know, use this go on the on the muscle right and you can hear me <laughs> changing my voice here mm -hmm. right um, that's all it really does right it's okay. like a it's like a massager mm -hmm. that has some you know electric uh, pressure to it some vibration right. so, so that's from Renfo. It's works really well. Renfo power massage gun you'll notice they well, let me go back they actually have a number of these um, uh, massage guns. You'll see they have several several different oh, yeah. versions, right? Oh, like Ones, a little mini one there, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a tiny one, which which I was thinking about doing, um, you know, because then you could take it with you uh, traveling and all of that. This is one of those that is kind of nice in that you could actually reach your back, which, of course, mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts of having the gun is that it's great for the legs, not so great for the back, right? I can't really reach it, so you almost have to have someone else use it with you, but... Uh, but you can see that, and so they're good. Uh, so far, this has been fine. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm thrilled by the massage gun world in general. You know, I've, I'm using it after workouts and after runs. Uh, I haven't done it enough yet to really know if it's changing sleep patterns or anything like that. Okay. Um, but if you are in the market for it, Renfo, I mean, I've been I've been impressed with the build of it. I've been impressed with the use case, the battery life. I mean, I've only charged it once and 
used it maybe 10 times so far and, mm. and the battery still shows full. So, Great. um, yeah, so that's, you know, that was my, my first purchase. The, the other one, I don't know if you want me to jump into it now because I bought the, why don't you go ahead and do that from the same, we'll company. save the, uh, we'll save the best for last year. So go ahead and okay. get yours out of the way. Yeah. Well, and let me actually jump back here. And if you'll notice over here, the, you can see how I was buying the massage gun and <laughs> Renfro was running a really, <laughs> a really good deal at the time, which was if you spend a hundred dollars, they would, it was 20% off of everything. So, so I was at this point, it was $80 for this. And then I added, and this is actually less now, but I added this smart jump rope. All right. So I'm going to jump over to the smart jump rope. And so I added it, um, which of course then, you know, put my total of those two things together. I think it was about 80 bucks. Um, so a smart jump rope, this, this is going to sound incredibly corny and I'm still looking at this going, I, I don't know why I spent a lot of money on it, but, um, but I'm excited about it. Uh, so what it is, is exactly what it says. It's a jump rope that will, uh, that has a digital, um, digital screen on it that will keep track of the, the jumps that you do. It'll time. So if you want to set and say, I want to jump for two minutes, you can set the timer and it'll beep at you afterwards and it'll count the number of jumps that you're doing during that. There's a set of Bluetooth or uh, application uh, uh, workouts. So you can say, give me a workout to do with the jump rope and it'll say, okay, great. You're going to do this number of jumps in this amount of time. And then, okay, now when that's done, take a break. And then it's going to basically lead you through a jump rope workout. I've always loved using a jump rope. Um, yeah. It was, you know, to me, a great way that doesn't kill my knees that uh, can, can do a decent workout. So I was interested in giving it a try. Um, now here's my caveat. Okay. I got it in the mail uh, along mm -hmm. with my massage gun. I opened it yeah. up. I put the batteries in it and nothing happened. And mm. so immediately I, of course, got very upset, tried new batteries, everything, nothing happened. And so I reached out to the company and they sent back a big list of, well, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? So, of course, I was frustrated and I was like, of course I did that. And they said, please take a video of it, upload the video so that we can see what's going on. And of course, when I pulled it out of the box again, put the batteries in, it worked. <laughs> right, right when I was getting ready to do the video, it worked. So I emailed them and said, well, it looks like, because I tried new batteries. I said, it looks like it might have been the batteries. You know, all good. Thank you. Everything works. I set it down. And then about an hour later, I was going to go and give it a try and it wouldn't turn on again. And uh, so what's weird is that this seems to have a like a, um, a hard sleep to it that mine has an issue waking up from the hard sleep. And when it does, so like if I took the batteries out, put them back in, it wakes up again. If I press the button and wait maybe two minutes, it tends to come back on. When it's on, it's great. I went and tried it. I loved it. Um, but uh, I think I may have got a bad one uh, that has some sort of wake-up problem. But uh, but then again, super, super cool. Um, you know, first for what I paid, which I think was, you know, about more like $20, um, you know, their metal, their metal handles, Alan, as you can see here. Right. And um, yeah, you just set the length that you want. And um, of course, I'm sure it won't come on now, uh, even if I wanted it to. Uh, nope. No, I'm going to have to give it a minute and it'll probably turn on. But um 
But when it's on, you can then set which mode you want. Is it free jump? Is it, oh, I showed the beep. Yeah, it just came on. <laughs> so it's got some sort of delay in terms of turning on. But uh, free jump, do you want to jump for time? Or do you want to do one of the workouts? Um, what I do love is that it will then input that into your phone, into the health app, mm -hmm. into yeah. the Renfro help app, health app that says, here's a workout that you did. It kind of estimates the calories, all of that. So again, another way of just getting more health information um, put into uh, and give myself hopefully another way of uh, exercising. So motivating. <sighs> That's great, Brian. Yeah. Um, are you done with all this boring stuff? All this <laughs> well, I just did two things that were about improving my health and moving more. Tell me, tell me what you're doing to improve your movement, Alan. Nothing, which is what's so great about it. Uh, <laughs> I this is the this is the antithesis of the things you just recommended, and that those two things are meant to help you get active and try to get you doing things or try to get you you know feeling better about yourself. And mine is simply, I want to sit on my butt in my theater room and have my curtains open and close oh, yes. automatically. Yeah. So yep. I finally bit the bullet. I've been working on this for a while, been doing a lot of research and having to really figure out what's going to work for my curtains uh, in this room that I'm in right now. So I only have one installed and I'll show you. I mean, it works on this window back over my shoulder. Uh, but I got the first one in and tested it out just kind of as a proof of concept to make sure it was going to work. Um, automatic curtain openers may sound like a really trivial thing. And yeah, it is. It's very, very trivial, but I don't know why it's so important to me that I get it to where these things open and close on their own. So the idea is that you have many different types of curtains. Um, there's the, uh, one that's on a rod and you've got, you know, hooks attached to a curtain that the hooks are actually on the rod. You've got some of the, the, the curtains on tracks where it's like, a they're on the sliding track. And you've got to be able to use that. So I've got a pair of curtains here. They're called back tab, which is where it's curtain, but then there's a kind of a tab on the back of it. And that's where the pole slides through those tabs. And trying to find a automatic curtain opener that would work with these was kind of a, a chore because the one I had planned to go with initially was the Quora one was not going to work with this. But I did find one that does work. Uh, it is called, I've got, title up here the switch bot curtain <clears throat> and just to show you really quick the one that i've got i can show you if you look over my whatever shoulder my left shoulder it will be on the right for you guys yep. looking at this right if i go right. and close it you can see it is closing in the background there one one side now this is a little motor that is actually hanging mm -hmm. on the rod behind the curtain and it is basically pushing and pulling the end of the curtain up and down the rod. So if I go to tell to open, now that little motor is sliding down the curtain rod and opening up. So is it a wheel that's kind of rolling on the, yeah, on the rod? Show I'll show you what it looks like here. I got a close up of it. So this is the device, the switch bot curtain. These two hooks that are kind of those two protruding hooks over the top or what fit onto the, the rod itself. Hmm. And you can see it's got rollers built into those hooks. So those are rollers that what you do is you put it, um, let's see if I can show you. Yeah. So you're clamping you can it see on. Okay. it's on the rod there. It's clamped on the rod. And when you press or you tell it the command to move or to open or close, it's basically using the rollers on those clamps 
and rolling up or down. So all it's doing is pushing or pulling the curtain along with it. Um, it's a pretty simple concept, but they do make multiple versions of this. They have different attachments. So for example, if you're using it on a track based system, there's different attachments you can put on it to make it ride within a track. Or there's another one based on whatever kind of curtain rods and track system you've got to use. Mine, I am using the hooks because that's what you use for a traditional rod. And um, there's some other little clips you put on some of the other tabs on the curtain. And I don't know if those clips, like whenever this, this main unit rolls closed and it detects that it's butting up against those other clips, that's kind of its sign to stop because mm -hmm. it knows yep. that all these clamps have now kind of put to got uh, rammed together yep. and then it opens all the way up. Um, I'm not quite sure the mechanics of how it does it, but I just had to train it one time and say, okay, put it in a position. The app's like, all right, is this, is the window open or closed right now? I'm like, it's open. They say, cool. And they say, okay, push the button, roll it. And it rolled and pulled it out. It was great. So like within mm -hmm. two minutes I had it up and running. And uh, now, yes, ideally, as you can see behind me, if I did want to, do this with all my curtains. I have two windows in here. I'm going to need three more of these guys. Ooh, yeah. That's the thing that's painful is these things are not cheap. I got mine for $79 on a deal. So normally they're priced at 99. So I'm just kind of, mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to make absolutely sure that this is the best yep. route to take with this before I started plunking down any more investment. I will eventually soon try to start peppering the rest of them out there. But, um, now, the thing that it happens here is that right now I'm controlling it with the app, the SwitchBot app it comes with. That works through Bluetooth. But if I want these to work over home automation, home kit, anything else, I do have to get the $20 hub that SwitchBot makes with yet another hub to deal with, mm -hmm. which I'm also wow. not crazy about. But that that is something I'm, I need to have happen because the whole goal is here to walk in this room and say, if it's movie time, lights go down projector turns on and the curtains close and that's kind of the ultimate goal here so nice uh, and you know brian i what's a little thing like money going to keep me from fulfilling my dream exactly right yeah as a little kid i can remember my my parents asked me kind of what i hoped to be able to do in my life as i grew up and i remember saying i i really won't just like in the movie theater i want my curtains to close and open automatically yep so I'm working towards my dream, save, Brian. Save I'm one those calories of actually having to reach up there and, and pull them. You know, I am one fourth of the way towards my, the pinnacle of what I consider to be really true my sedentary. Life. Your true <laughs> sedentary lifestyle. Yes, it is. It's close. Now, for uh, for those of you that want to chime in with Brian and joke about the fact that I don't want to do anything, let me just go ahead and offer say the point that while I'm building this, I've also built a home gym down in my basement with some awesome. exercise machines that I'm using daily. So that is my counteracting. I'm downstairs working out. Then I come up here at the end of a work day and I just sit on my butt and let all these machines do everything for me. Yes. So, perfect. Yeah. Yep. Good. No, that's cool. That is that's the switch bot cool. curtain. Um, it is a good product. It's very easy to install. Very simple, but <laughs> 99 bucks. So are those, you are be those prepared rollers, to invest in this. the rollers mm -hmm. themselves, are they, I assume they're like a rubber kind of roller that yeah. grips mm -hmm. a little. Mm -hmm. There's a you know, does it yeah. say that you need to clean them every once in a while? Imagine if they get dusty, they could slip or something, or do you know, is Possibly. it pretty tight on them? 
it's very tight. They're actually a oh, it is tight. Okay. There's a spring okay. on those of uh, those little metal pieces. You actually have to pull those hooks up to get it on your your rod. So it actually like has a spring to like connect uh, down on okay. the rod. It's a okay. pretty tight connection to it. So yeah. Hmm. Um I was just I've been very impressed with the product, very impressed with the company so far. Um and I'll let you know when I get the other three yeah. eventually installed and, and ready to go. So that's great. Yeah. Well, I am, I'm excited, excited for your, you know, move to the sedentary lifestyle. And uh, <laughs> no, the automation stuff is, is just, I mean, it's just really cool. If you have a series of things that you want to do to either in your case, make it really cool. But if in other cases, it's to, to be more efficient or to, I mean, I could also see, you know, if you're, if you're away and you realize you're not going to get back home in time and you wanted your curtains closed so that people aren't mm -hmm. seeing what's going on in your house and you could close your curtains from another location. Um, yeah. I think there's yeah. lots of things that it could be useful for, but. Well, and even in the SwitchBot app, before I even connected up to HomeKit or out that, you can create uh, scenes and say like, like at sunset, I won't, uh them to go ahead and close or nice. or open, yeah. you know, whichever you choose to do. So you can go ahead and set it on some, some things you can tie it into. I think, uh, I think you can attach some sort of motion detector to it. If you want to say like when people come in the room, open them up or close them. But the ultimate goal is going to be getting them connected to home kit and be able to say with a voice command, everything happen and make that. Yeah. Work. So yeah. that's what I'm working towards. So yeah. Well, and, and okay. maybe maybe not just for convenience, but there are certain, sometimes people have uh, really, really tall windows and, yeah. you know, things where they don't want to have to continue to, you know, yank them closed. Uh, I don't know if that sure. same company makes the, you know, my wife and I used to have um, uh, skylights where we always dreamed of having mm. some, you know, skylight curtains or skylight uh, blinds or something that could be done oh, through yeah. automation. And, you know, yeah. I think those are, those are where you start to realize there's some, not, not just efficiencies, but also, um, you know, improving the quality of, of what you have, like right? maintaining your, your, well, your home. So, and you brought up a great point too. I mean, yeah, when you leave the home, you leave your house for any extended amount of time and you have curtains like these that are right. I mean, they're visible right from the street that goes right by our house. So if, you know, somebody wanted to be able to glance inside and see if, you know, anybody was home or not, they could do it very easily yeah. to be able to be away and be like, oh yeah, I forgot to close the curtains. Just hit a button. No, they're going to yep. close is priceless. I just, I, yep. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So good. Okay. Awesome. Well, that was our Christmas gifts we got for, basically we got it for ourselves, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. Nobody yeah. bought this for me. I bought this nope. completely for myself. <laughs> It's the best. It's the best Christmas pageants. I know, love Christmas you. time. It's so great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Brian, uh, if anybody has any thoughts on anything we shared today, if they've got uh, uh, some thoughts on software subscriptions and maybe some pros and cons, or or helpful hints about subscriptions that we didn't think about or didn't mention, or they want to share their own uh, Christmas gifts, what they got for themselves over the holidays from a home technology, personal home tech type of thing, how can they? Uh, how can they go about getting a hold of us? Oh, yeah. Send us an email at info at the mesh.tv. Info at the mesh.tv. And uh, we'd love to pass along some of your suggestions. Um, you know, some of the things we've suggested have come from uh, our listeners, and we appreciate that. So 
keep those coming. Uh, you can also go to our website at www.brothers-in-tech.com to be able to That's see right. current and uh, previous episodes and maybe some additional information. So Cool. All right. Well, we're going to go and wrap it up. Thanks for everybody for listening or watching. I hope, uh, hope it was you only found an hour and 20 minutes. I was expecting four, but that's good. that's good. See, I set an expectation. That's right. Of a very long episode. And the fact that we came out under that expectation. Over promise, like under deliver. Very there nice. You go. Yep. That's right. That's good stuff. So we'll be All back right, next man. week for our five hour episode marathon that we're planning on doing. <laughs> we're going to have tons of stuff covered to cover. Um, We'll be back uh, probably next week, and I uh, look forward to talking to everybody then. So thanks a lot, everybody. All right. See you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.